All right, we're going to jump right back into it. Weapons of War podcast. Welcome back. I hope you listened to the last show where we spoke about entertainment and influence. More than, more so music and influence. And I, don't, I, I don't, that's not what I want to get into today, but I do want to touch in on something. Over the weekend, a rapper named Juice World died. And while I don't listen to him personally, never did until I wanted to see what he rapped about, you know, I listened to him and his music is so depressing. And that leads me to comment on the last episode of Music and Influence. If this music is having an influence on whoever listening to it today, mainly I'm thinking young people, then wow, this is really something that we need to look at. Because I don't know how you can't listen to him and not be depressed. Or if you're already depressed or if you're suicidal, things like his music, you should not be listening to. And me believing that music, even in its most, you just being creative, is an expression of yourself. So if his music was an expression of how he actually felt, then that is very sad. Because everything was drugs and I'm a die. I'm doing cocaine. I'm too high. That was it. He even had a line that said something like he wasn't going to make it past 21, which was a self-fulfilled prophecy, a sad one, but self-fulfilled all the same. And I would say, people, if you're close to a person who's making music like this, Matters not if it's if it's making money or anything like that. You need to talk to this person. You need to see see what their, see what a head is because to create music like this, wow! I can only imagine the headspace that you have to be in for at your most creative. This is what's pouring out of your soul. So, again, while I didn't listen to him, it is sad if anyone passes. And I hope artists, musicians, or just non-famous people, if you're going through something, get help. And if you're a friend or consider yourself to be a friend to anyone, pay attention. Read the signs. If they into something that's not cool, speak on it. We can't make people do things, but we can put our two cents in and say, hey, I think what you're doing isn't cool. I think what you're doing, you know, may be dangerous or unhealthy. And, you know, they're going to have to do with that what they what they feel, but at least if you call yourself a friend, you can say that you attempted to help a person, that you saw something that was self-destructive or what you felt to be self-destructive and you stepped in. Because talking to a bunch of people now, 
Friend is a real overused word. People all the time say, yeah, that's my partner. That's my boy. Oh, that's my girl. That's my friend. That's my ace. But when you ask people, do they say things to their friends that, you know, that they feel could help them or tell them if they're doing something that they think is wrong, that, hey, that that's wrong and they should stop doing it. I always hear people say, well, you know what? That's a grown man. That's a grown woman. I can't tell him or her what to do. You know, that's not my business. They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to make their own decisions. And to that I say, if that's your definition of friendship, I don't want anybody who has that mindset to be my friend. Because at the end of the day, true, I'm grown and I'm going to make my own decision. But if we if we rocking together and you see me doing something that you believe is bad, if we friends, if we boys or partners or whatever the word is, now you should be able to let me know. You know, granted, I'm going to make my own decision based on whether to stop or to continue doing whatever it is I'm doing. But what good are you as a friend if you're not looking out for me? What is looking out for me? If I do something wrong, you won't snitch? Is that the only <laughs> is that the only gauge of a friend? Yeah, man, we out there, we was busting heads or, you know, kicking in doors and stuff, and you know, they ain't never they ain't never rat me out. Is that the definition of a friend? You know, granted, you do want somebody who's gonna have your back. But you also want somebody who's going to keep it real with you. Everybody want to be 100 nowadays. Everybody, you know, the realest. But when it comes to listening to people, when it comes to saying, hey, man, hey, bro, you know, that's not cool. Hey, no, nobody want to keep it real like that because either you saying that it's not your place or you probably scared of what the person going to say to you or how they going to look at you because you think of what they doing is wrong. And I believe that's the most, I, I believe that's the biggest thing, that we have a fear of what people think about us. Because if I say what they doing is wrong, then they going to look at me like I'm not cool. They going to look at me like I'm a square or something like that, or you know what, I might not be able to kick it with them no more. Well, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And if you as real as you say you are, then you know that if I tell somebody else something and they don't like it or they don't want to kick it with me no more, hey, cool. I did what I had to do. I stand behind my the way I feel. And for whatever reason, they tripping. But the thing is, people going to trip. Let them do that. But don't consider yourself or call yourself somebody's friend or somebody's partner and you scared to let them know something. Because again, my belief is, even if you, if you believe something and ultimately your belief could be wrong, but if you think that you're right in it and you see me doing something against what you think is right, you should say something. You know, and hopefully I should have some sense to receive what you're saying. 
And realize that whether I agree with it or not, hey, from your point of view, you looking out for me. It's not about telling another grown man or another grown woman what to do. It's, hey, if I say that we partners, I'm going to look out for you for the good and the bad. You know, I know it's drug dealers out there who looking out for the young ones coming up after them, telling them that, hey, man, this drug life is wrong. You got choices. You know, you don't have to end up, you don't have to do what I did. You don't have to do what I'm still doing. You know, you have a better life than me. And while they have choices too, and they don't have to do what they doing, they are even letting people know that what they doing is wrong and looking out for a person. Now, they're going to do what they want to do, but if a drug dealer who currently out there on the block looking out for people saying, hey, you could do better than this and it's not the way, how much more should a person who you've been rocking with since you were small? You know, we got to get out of this, you know, hey, hey, man, whatever, you know, is. You know, we, we didn't lost the community. We just throw stuff around. You see people out there doing stuff and you look at them and be like, look at them. Out there, they don't have, they, they don't have no hope. Because I, I see every older generation look at the generation underneath them and say stuff like they don't have no hope. Well, if they don't have no hope, these are your kids. <laughs> the generation up under you, nine times out of ten, are your children are close to the people who, you know, you should be mentoring. So if this generation underneath you is hopeless, then maybe that means you didn't drop the ball somewhere because we didn't lost our, uh, what, what am I trying to say? We lost the feeling of community. There's no community anymore. Everybody just out for themselves. Everybody just want to do what they want to do. Nobody wants to take the time to pour into somebody else or to look at somebody else and say, hey, you could do this a little different because they think they're going to get rejected. They think the other generation have no hope and they say all they're going to do is wind up in jail. You see the little boys, you see the young kids out there robbing folks and you don't have nothing to say because you say they hopeless. But the minute they rob you, you have a problem. You didn't want to say anything to them when they was out there doing it to other people, when they were being disrespectful to other people. But as soon as you get disrespected, it becomes a problem, which all you had to do in the first place was just say something to them. Stop being scared and stop being fearful on making excuses for yourself. Granted, you can't make a person do anything. You can't change anything. But if you can do something and you do nothing, then you part of the problem. Biblically speaking, when you present the word to somebody, it says one man plant, one man water, God get the increase. And that goes to say that, hey, my only job is to tell you. My only job is to present Christ to you, present a better way. I can't convert your spirit. I can't save your soul. But from my point of view, the only thing that I am required to do is present you with something. So in the same sense, that's what we need to take in this natural side. If you see somebody doing something that you know they shouldn't be doing, the only thing you could do is present something better to them 
and hope for the best. And while they might not change at that exact moment, at least you planted the seed. Because deep down, even when you see people out there and they lawless, disrespectful, deep down, everybody likes order. Nobody likes chaos innately. It could be based on how you grew up, something you felt that you didn't have or something that you had, but you feel like you didn't have enough of it. And your interpretation of an experience causes you to react and begin to live in certain ways. And we all have moments in our life that made us go down one road or another. Everybody has something that they felt like they were deprived of or something they wished that they had more of. And in some ways, that shaped the way we live a lot of times in a negative light because we wear our trauma. And when we wear our trauma, we show up as victims. And when we show up as victims, we tend less likely to help other people. Now, realizing that if you've came so far and you're still wearing your trauma, ultimately it means you overcame it. But it doesn't look like you overcame it because you're still wearing it and you're still using that as a defense mechanism for now people to look at you as the victim and the victim get all the hugs. The victim get all the adulation. The victim gets all the praise. But the more empowered stance is to realize, man, I grew up without this. I grew up without that. And while I look around and I see other people who may have died, other people who may be in jail, other people who may have it worse than I do, as bad as I thought I had it, I still made it. I'm still here. And that's another reason why we need empowered friends. Because sometimes things that you don't see in yourself and you really can't, you know, just look at it for what it is. <clears throat> Somebody on the outside looking in can come back and tell you like, hey, uh, you know, you're doing pretty good. God is blessing you. And don't think it coincidence that God allowed you to make it through all that just to end up and have nothing. Through our pain, our purpose can be birthed. You didn't go through this for nothing. Maybe you went through this so you could help somebody else who's going through it. Maybe somebody needs to see someone make it through what they're going through to understand that they can make it through also. But if we just keep walking around wearing our trauma in this little victim cloak, then we don't get to pass that down to the other person. And no, I'm not, I don't want to take, a, take from the experience that people go through because some trauma, well, not some trauma, things that happen to people are serious and it affects us. Mental health is a really, really big thing nowadays. However, we can overcome these things. Sounds pretty cliche and hallmarky, but we can overcome it. We live in a world now where we see too many people make it out of broken homes, make it out of broken environments and become something for us to not realize that we can do it too. But a lot of times the payoff of being a victim 
is so great that you don't even want to attempt to overcome because, you know, everybody is coddling you as a victim. But we need to have people around us who are not just yes men, yes women. To go back as how this yes men and yes woman thing is wrong, let's go back to R. Kelly. Going back, watching those surviving R. Kelly episodes and seeing the people who were around him who empowered his unempowered state. People who wouldn't tell him no, who saw what he was doing, but because he was writing checks for him, who saw him doing what he was doing, but didn't call him out on any of it because, you know, R. Kelly came from a broken home. R. Kelly was abused. And while that's sad, and he may have his own mental things that he have to go through and have to overcome, someone should have said something then. I even say we as the listeners of his music have to take part of some of that because when the sex tapes and stuff was coming out, when the allegations were out, we all laughed at it. People were buying the tapes from the bootleg man, watching them and laughing at the fact that he was, that this was supposedly person in this video being R. Kelly is peeing on a little girl. We laughed when Dave Chappelle made the skits. We thought it was funny. And here it is now, as I've grown old and matured, I realize we were laughing at some little girl supposedly being taken advantage of by a grown man. We heard the whispers. We heard all of it, but we didn't care about it because we like, hey, that's not me. I wouldn't allow him to do that to me. I wish he would do that to my daughter, my sister, my mother, but not caring about the young lady in the video. And then fast forward when we see these surviving R. Kelly things and we see that there were people there now, they're saying how they felt bad how it wasn't good, how I saw how he treated her, I saw how he did this. What happened then? But when the check's coming in, it's all good. We have to get away from this. We have to have a moral compass. We have to have a baseline where we can say, hey, I'm not saying that everything is perfect, but when stuff gets to this point, it's really, really getting bad. But we moving into a generation that says, hey, man, do what you want to do. We're trying to go back to a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. And we, we, we have to really check this. Because, again, we don't have to agree with what everybody's doing but we have to recognize that some things should not be. Some things should not be okay. But everything that's happening now is an attempt to move us away from that, to not empower people, but to allow people not to faith. Let me, no, let me say that. Let me re-say that. 
we are getting to a point now where we want to allow people to wear their trauma instead of facing it and dealing with it and coming to a place of empowerment. We're allowing people to take the excuse of what has happened to them over a stretch of time without dealing with the fact of saying, hey, it was wrong. You can overcome this and do better and not allow what happened to you to be used as an excuse for you to continue to do what you're doing if it's wrong. Which again, I think stems from fear. People are afraid. I don't want to say something to people because it's going to make me look different. Although I know what I'm seeing this person do isn't cool and I don't agree with it, but what they do may be feeding into me in the case of saying, I might not agree with what he's doing, but you know, this is my job, this is my boss, so if I say something to him, all he's going to do is fire me, all she's going to do is fire me and hire another person who's going to turn a deaf ear or a blind eye and they're going to keep on doing what they're doing. So, hey, why not me? If they're not going to stop, then it don't make sense for me to say nothing and mess up my gravy train. Which, we got to stand for something. We have to do better. I had a conversation with one of my coworkers, and we were talking about from a perspective when we were kids, most of the stuff that our parents had to worry about was <laughs> external. Drugs, sex, alcohol, lawlessness. While none of those are good things, I'm not trying to say that by any stretch, those were the most of the things that a parent had to worry about when it came to their kids. Nowadays, drugs, sex, alcohol, lawlessness are taboo. It seems nobody really cares about things like that. People are not going after your kids in that way. It seems now things are internal. They are attacking your moral compass, your moral values. They're attacking your identity because they're telling you that whatever is wrong with you is right. And if someone doesn't agree with it, then something is wrong with them and they're discriminating. We're in a world where... If you tell somebody they overweight, you're fat shaming. If you're a Christian and you tell somebody homosexuality is, homosexuality is wrong, then you're a homophobe and you're discriminating. And I'm like, hold on. Where does it get to the point where you can say, hey, I'm a Christian and I believe that your lifestyle is wrong, but... Hey, that's the way I feel and you free to live your life and you receive that without saying that I don't like you or I'm discriminating against you. Not saying that there aren't people who don't dislike you and don't discriminate against you, but they are not just automatic things. Disagreement does not automatically equal dislike. Where do we live in a world where you could tell somebody, hey, they are overweight and you may need to lose some weight without it being fat shaming and it just being, hey, I'm looking out for somebody and saying that 
your body holding this weight is not healthy. Overweight and saying I hate your body or you is not automatically saying you overweight. You need to look like this person. You need to look like that person. No. Are there people who do fat shame? Yes. But if you look at the landscape of social media, if you disagree with anybody on things like that, you're going to get roasted by people who feel that's just wrong. You shouldn't say that to a person. You're mean. What about you? There are things that are wrong with you. And when, when did it become a thing to say, if I notice something about you and I tell you about it, I can't tell you anything because it's stuff wrong with you too. Of course it's stuff wrong with me. I don't claim to be perfect, but if only perfect people can tell you things that are wrong with you, then that's a, that's a scary world to live in because big note, nobody's perfect. So that means nobody is qualified to tell anybody anything. So all we could do is sit back and just watch the world go to hell. No. Why is everybody so sensitive nowadays? Why does what you do and how you live your life, why has it become so stringent upon what other people think and what other people feel? But in this social media age, everybody's looking for the proverbial like. Because I'm going to put out a post and I'm going to look at the post to see how many people liked it. And then when I see how many people liked it, I got to see the people who disliked it. And then out of the people who disliked it, I got to figure out why they disliked it. And if they dislike my post, I need to realize and have to see is it that they just dislike me. And if they dislike me, why do they dislike me? And if they dislike me, I have to figure out what's wrong with me. No. If you put something out there, some people going to like it, some people aren't going to like it, period. But that's not the end of it. That's not how we look at things. I've, I've heard of people saying that they put a post out and saw who didn't like it and then went to other people's posts to see if they liked their posts and said, okay, oh, so you like the post that they put out, but you don't like the post that I put out. What? What? If the biggest thing in your day is the fact that somebody didn't like your post, then you're doing pretty good. We got to get to a point where we're confident in ourselves. My mom told me before she passed, she was like, Gabe, some people you like aren't going to like you. And I was like, oh my. And while at that moment she was only talking about women, I get it now over my entire life. Some people are not going to like me. Some people are not going to like the things I say, the things I do, some stuff that I wear, and I have to be okay with that. I have to be so confident in myself and the purpose that God put on me and in me that it doesn't matter <laughs> who likes it or dislikes it. 
as long as I know I'm coming from a place of being authentic, being authentically me, then I'm good. Because biblically speaking, Jesus was Jesus. And everybody didn't accept him. So if everybody didn't accept Jesus and he's Jesus, then everybody's not going to accept me. But the thing is, I'm okay with that. And in the beginning, I wasn't. Transparent moment. I grew up single parent home. Don't, don't know my dad to this day. I grew up, I was short. We were poor. Girls didn't, girls didn't like me. I was shorter than all of them. I've even had uh, women's dad tell me to my face, I'm not good enough. You can't be with my daughter because you're poor. You're not good enough. And that hurt. That damaged me. And for a great majority of my life, I wore my trauma. I wore my victim cloak. And I allowed that to shape my habits, my thoughts. And then eventually in life, when I got reintroduced to God and I allowed myself to be healed, I realized I was tripping. While those things were hurtful, I had to realize, okay, Gabe, who are you? Who decides who you are or what you're going to be? And I don't mean that from the sense of, okay, you got to go get a job from somebody. You have to present yourself like this. No, ultimately, who am I? What is my identity? And once I realized that my identity, my purpose, my value, my worth is not tied to what people think about me, but it's tied to the fact that God made me before I knew any of these people, before I knew myself, when I realized that he put a purpose in me before I knew anything about myself or anything that these people thought about me, at that point, it was like, wow, I realized I was tripping a great point of my life because now I can see and say for myself that, okay, where I was wearing my victim cloak, when I took it off, I realized, man, all these things that I thought defeated me, all these things that I thought I didn't have, I still made it. And what we, what we miss is when we're wearing that victim cloak, we're missing out on a lot of good years where our overcoming was supposed to happen years ago. You can't overcome while you're wearing the victim cloak. You have to get rid of the victim cloak because there is no healing until you come out of being a victim. The victim cloak is a place, is a disempowered place. It's a disempowered position. You can't be wearing the victim cloak yelling out, you're 100, you're doing this. Now, as you are healing, let me restart over. When the trauma first hit, okay, I get it. You're going to put your victim cloak on because it's fresh. And as you're healing, you're peeling that off and you could be rising up from an empowered state knowing that, okay, this hurt me, but I'm not going to let this be the end of me. And then we got to forgive. 
Nobody wants to forgive nowadays. I think back to the point, was that a little early, a couple of months ago, where the police lady shot the dude's brother. And the brother in court forgave her and said that he only hopes that she finds God, repents and finds God or something like that. And the internet went nuts, ragging and dragging dude through the mud because he showed forgiveness, because he showed up in a place that most people aren't able to, and I'm not even going to say able to, where most people aren't willing to show up, they drug him. I even saw some posts saying, oh, that's only, this is what the black church teaches you. No, if you consider yourself to be a Christian and you read the Bible, that's what Christianity, that's what Jesus teaches you. It has nothing to do with black or white. Now, granted, if you want to go into black and white and look at the sentencing that the woman got, that's a whole different story. But forgiveness should have no race. A black person should be forgiven just as much as a white person, just as much as a Hispanic person, just as much as an Indian, Asian, so on and so forth. Some things we have to get out of race because everything is not about race. We make everything about race, but everything should not be about race. When does it get to the point to where we actually overcome? Granted, things get better as the years go along. But when does it get to a point where people decide, hey, you know, let me stop just thinking about white people. Let me stop just thinking about black people. Let me stop just thinking about Mexicans, Hispanics, Asians, Indians. And let me just think about people. But everybody wants to be superior and I'm not saying that everybody, you know, hey, if you wealthy white person, give all your money to black people because we were oppressed as a race for 400 years. Nowhere am I saying that. And I'm not saying black people, Indian people, if you have wealth, just give it away, make everything, everyone equal. Now, if that's what you choose to do, then by all means. But that's not what I'm calling for. What I'm calling for is to say, let's treat people as people if it's okay aside from personal things that you know just go on between people who know each other and have a literal relationship let's draw the lines from saying this race can do this but this race can't let's look out for everyone because at the end of the day I'm black I had nothing to do with that. Who's ever white, who's ever Indian, whatever race you are, you had zero to do with your race. Nothing to do with it. And I say that to say, how can you use it as an empowered stance when you didn't choose it? It's not like you said, I'm going to be this because this race has this, that, and the other. You were just born. And a lot of people were born into stuff, again, that they had nothing to do with. So you can't even take credit for that. Which also says you can't 
hold against or put a value on someone else's skin that you didn't have anything to do with, nor did they have anything to do with. So since nobody had anything to do with their race, then it should all be valued equally. At least that's the way I think. But it all goes back to the community. Because truth be told, birds of a feather flock together. If you look around at the people who are around you, they're around you for a reason. So if you that person who thinking that, man, I don't know why I hang around these flunkies. Or, you know, I'm the, the big man on campus, the big woman on campus. These people are around you because it's something in them that's also in you. You just suppress yours or you're lying to yourself. Because if a person says something to you, you're looking at them like they hating. And granted, some people do hate, but there is some truth in hate. If somebody says something to you, you might need to do a self-inventory and say, hmm, let me see where that's coming from. And let me really check myself to see if some of whatever they saying is in me. Because a lot of times what people think is hate is just hard truth. And you got a bunch of yes men and yes women around you. So when they hear it, all they doing is riding with what you saying. Like maybe not on the same scale, but every, everybody had their own little beehive. You say something that was remotely considered to be wrong about Beyonce, she don't have to say nothing. But it's a whole bunch of yes men and yes women who are going to attack you on her behalf. And a lot of us have that to where somebody says something and they're just going to attack you just because you said something about this. They don't check it to see if it's, if it's right or not. They just, they just go in just because. You said something against this and da 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 Come on now, calm down, calm down. Matter of fact, that's my phrase for the day, calm down. Stop taking stuff so seriously. Again, be okay with the fact that you might not be as hot as you think you are, especially to everybody. Let's take it from a music and entertainment standpoint. When somebody put out a record, they know everybody not going to like their song. Their song, their movie, the demographic is never everybody. Everything has a certain demographic, a certain audience that they're going after. Now, if the demographic ends up being everybody at the end of the day, great. You know, you're not going to knock that. But no one realistically puts something out there to a demographic of everyone. So in that same sense, that's how you got to live your life. Whatever you do and how you live your life, the demographic of people who are going to like you or who are going to appreciate you and nurture you is not everyone. And be good with that. Because truth be told, even the people who literally are hating on you, they paying attention to you because the only way you can hate on what I'm doing is if you paying attention to what I'm doing. 
So, hey, you may be secretly, I say secretly because they might not admit it, pouring into them and they taking what you're saying and they're, it's literally affecting them and literally uh, transforming how they think. But until they come to that true transformation, they'll never let you know. But at the end of the day, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing based on your God-given purpose, then it doesn't matter what people think. Because Jesus had the first haters. Because he literally said, remember, they hated me first. <laughs> so Jesus started haters. Well, he didn't, well, he started the fact of acknowledging that there was people that was out there hating. So again, if they hated on Jesus... I don't know if you know this or not, but you are not Jesus, nor are you anywhere close to Jesus. People going to hate on you, too, and you just got to be okay with that. You see people with the catchphrases, use haters like elevators. And that's what you do. You take what people say, understand that, okay, they looking at you, they see you, and just keep moving. My thing is employ a hater. What does that mean? Keep doing what you're doing and get them something to hate on. Because people, for whatever reason, people hate on other people's success. Could be because, you know, they still wearing a victim cloak. And in the victim cloak, you might hate on people. Until you come to that realization to say, why am I hating on them when I overcame and I had my own things that I didn't been through and that God and brought me out of? And I could be, as the world says, Living my best life now You know Or maybe that's just the way I think And speaking of living your best life Stop saying living your best, best life If you out there doing foolishness If that's your best life That's a sad life You know but Hey If that's what you do That's what you do But I'm going to end we're saying how I started. If you know somebody and you consider yourself to be a friend, a partner, an ace, whatever, look out for your people for real. Like for real, for real, look out for them. Let them know when they doing stuff that's, you know, where they going outside the lines. Let them know this stuff before it, be, it, it end up being self-destructive. Going back to the juice world, dude, pay attention to the people around you, especially if you know artistic people. If this is the art that they are producing, things like this dude's songs, really, really talk to these people because people are suffering. People are going through some things and they may mask it well or they may not based on what's going on. But we have to be paying more attention to the people that's around us, to the people we have access to, because I'm a person that says nothing happens by coincidence. God places people around us and places people in our proximity for a reason. So you have to start wondering if you are around people who are exhibiting these things, these behaviors, maybe it's something in you that you can say to them or direct them to or guide them to that can help them. But we have to keep our eyes open and get back to this community model that says it takes a village. 
it takes a village because somewhere we lost that village mentality. We lost that community mentality and we went to the my four and no more. And we see what it's getting us. So, hey, let's really keep it 100. Let's really look at ourselves in the mirror, flaws and all, and understand that we're not perfect. Let's understand that we have our pitfalls. Let's understand that we may have been put in situations that we didn't ask to be put in. But at the end of the day, for whatever reason, God allowed us to make it out. So let's seek him and say, why did you keep me here? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing and do it? See something, use your experience, pour into somebody else, mentor somebody, disciple somebody while yourself also needs to be discipled and mentored. Because we can't just speak about mental health and just speak about just to speak about it, just to acknowledge the fact that, okay, we all got some things that's not wrong, that's not quite right with us. And we also can't just, again, use the mental health as an excuse for our poor behavior. It's time to make the stand. Well, no, we've been making stands forever. A stand with no action, you should have stayed sitting down. So let's do this. This is a call to action. We got to do better. Until next time, this is your boy Gabe, Weapons of War Podcast, and we out.